Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today, we welcome Rob Lutz, the dog professor, into the Marion Public Library Community Podcast Studio for another episode of Ask the Dog Professor Podcast, featuring Rob and all the folks at the Edgefield Animal Care Center. Rob, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you today? I am also very well. It is episode eight of the Dog Professor podcast. And and uh, what's our topic today? What are we talking about today? Well, I alluded in some of the earlier podcasts when we talked about getting that new puppy and what to feed them and, and you know, the big choice that owners have to make with a lot of things, um, especially mm-hmm. with the diet. It's overwhelming for some. So that's oh. going to be kind of the big topic today. Okay. Right. On that same note... I have, I'm going to start to bring in some uh, interesting little dog facts for each podcast as we go along. So the first one is, we're going to talk about dog speed today, okay? okay. Now, for, for reference, context, uh, Usain Bolt. I'm sure you know Usain Bolt. I do. Yes. You, what do you think Usain Bolt's average speed is mile per hour? Usain Bolt's average speed mile per hour. Let's see. If I run fast, it's probably 2.9. So I'm going to say he's about nine miles an hour. He can hit 28 miles. Oh, my Lord. Are you- when, you do the, uh, when you do the math over the distance that he runs and all that, you know, the peak is about 28 miles per hour. Wow. So a comparable dog breed. Um, what do you think a comparable dog breed would be? Obviously, this kind of stands out because, you know, I'm not going to give you any more hints, but I think you kind of understand probably what the one of the fastest dog breeds is. Right, right. Um, I'm going to say the fastest is a greyhound, and I'm going to say he's twice Usain Bolt. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, my gosh. You're getting getting good at this game here. <laughs> oh, really? So where am I at? <laughs> the fastest breed of dog is the greyhound, obviously, okay. because they race and everything. And right. Average speed for the greyhound, 40 miles an hour. I nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, don't try to outrun a greyhound, number one. No. <laughs> you may get away from Usain Bolt, but you won't get away from a greyhound. But I just thought that's kind of kind of interesting um, speed-wise. Now, the biggest thing that I've dealt with and I can attest to is um, dog bite, bite power, bite pressure. You know, you may have seen Brady Barr. He does a National Geographic special. Okay. Uh, and they basically measure the different bite pressures per square inch of all these different animals. And he did it with different dog breeds. Um now, when they measure pressure per square inch, it's basically you imagine the square inch of the end of your thumb and the the amount of weight coming down on the end of your thumb. <laughs> That's the pressure per square inch to give it to you in a visual-type context. So dog breed with the highest pressure per square inch bite. Any guesses? Wow. Um, I have no idea. Well, if you, if you listen to the experts uh, when they're worried about certain dog breeds, the top of the list would be the American Pit Bull Terrier, correct? See, I get you. I See, I was going to say a Doberman. You Really? Yeah. Doberman. Yeah, usually people go with the Pit Bull or in that variety because of the muscle structure and, you know, the the job they were bred to fight with. Okay. Um, a Pit Bull, average PSI on a Pit Bull bite is 127 PSI. Wow. The average human 
PSI on a bite is 120. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so That's surprising. Yeah, you think it'd be so much more. Now, the dog with the highest bite force, which is it comes in at a whopping 520 pounds per square inch PSI, wow. is the Mastiff. Oh, okay. If you've ever seen an English Mastiff, mm-hmm. um, they're built for it. They're giants. Um, they have the muscle. Um, but luckily for us, they're one of the gentlest breeds there is. Oh, they're beautiful animals. <laughs> Holy cow, they're beautiful yeah. animals. Yeah. So just some just some interesting little stuff there today to mull around in your in your crawl while we talk about uh, diets today. I love it. Thank you for that. Yeah. So the idea with diets, you know, when people first get a puppy, um, the first thing they do is they go to the, you know, pet food supplies or pet mart or wherever they go and, and they look at the shelf with all the diets and, and they're instantly overwhelmed with all the diets. Um, obviously, diets are marketed towards humans more so than dogs. So we try to we try to give people an idea on what a good diet, what constitutes a good diet, not just what it says on the commercial, but um, what to look for in your pet. So most pups, most people, when they get a young puppy and the puppy's eating dry food now, you start off with a puppy formula. Most dog foods are grouped into the life stages of the dog, which is the puppy stage, the adult stage, the senior stage, okay? Puppy stage is usually the first year of a puppy's life. That's when they're growing the most. It's when they're building their their um, their skeletal structure, their muscular structure. Um, all that occurs in a very, very fast rate that first year. So a puppy food is usually going to be a little higher in a fat content, a little higher in a protein content to try to try to feed the machine that is your puppy as it's building that bone structure, ligament structure, muscle structure, all of that that first year. Um, an adult food usually is what, which is what people consider an adult maintenance food, is the food that's given after the puppy's first year. And that's meant to kind of maintain a slower growth rate, uh, maintain um, healthy muscle structure, um, but not overpower and add on a lot of extra weight. Okay. Um, and actually, you know, a dog's being overweight is one of the biggest problems that dogs have, more so than any other health problem. So most adult foods are built to kind of maintain a healthy weight, so forth and so on. When a dog becomes a quote-unquote senior, which is usually about seven years of age, that stage dog food, the senior stage, is, is meant to um, kind of keep weight managed even more because dogs are less active. Um, they're burning fewer calories so that just like people, they're more likely to put on extra mm-hmm. weight in that case. So yeah. fat content goes down, fiber content goes up, and that's just kind of the basis for when you see these bags at the store that say puppy, adult, um, senior, that's the basis that they're going by. Okay, so it's that's just a an initial look at when you're getting things. What we usually suggest, what I suggest, and I've seen thousands of dogs through training in 30 years of working in veterinary hospital. We've seen all kinds of dogs, all kinds of diets, everything. When you first get a puppy, you're going to want to go with a puppy food. Um, now, the one thing I look for in a puppy food is a thing to judge whether the puppy food is good or not. It's not what the bag tells me, mm-hmm. but what the dog actually re- how the dog actually reacts to it. Digestibility is the number one word I look for when I'm looking for a dog food. And what that means is, is 
is how much of the food is actually being digested into your dog's system when you feed them rather than coming out the back end and heading in the in the yard okay so that's a good judgment on most people when they're looking for a food now there's so many foods out there now that say you know everybody hears grain free everybody hears this type of protein so forth and so on and we'll talk in a minute about why they advertise that but digestibility is at the basis of everything if your dog grows at a normal pace looks good are only having two to three bowel movements a day uh, and they're decent uh, bowel movements then the dog is eating a, a a good digestible food for their system now not every food works with every dog's system and everybody who tells you that is crazy i mean just like people i'm going to eat some things that are that are going to work for me i'm going to eat some things that don't work for me and that's just what what i would look for but the problem is is when you get a dog food it's basically should be usually isn't but should be the only thing that a dog's eating throughout that day. So um, there's a little more pressure on just finding that one that works just just perfect for your dog. Within the puppy classification of puppy food, they make different um, classifications due to the breed size, okay, and why they do that. Whether you'll see large breed, you'll see small breed puppy. Um, they do that, again, because they're trying to control the growth rate of the puppy. For years, there were only about three or four puppy foods on the market, okay? And what happened is those puppy foods, a lot of times with larger breed dogs, they'd throw so much in those puppy foods to try to help the dogs grow fast, the dogs would grow faster than their bones and ligaments could keep up. And they'd end up with hip problems, knee problems, because they'd put on so much weight so fast and the muscle, the, the skeletal structure and the ligament structure was not strong enough to take care of that muscle. Um, so now with a large breed food, they've slowed that growth rate down. They've, they've, they've decreased the protein a little bit um, to try to keep it at a more slow, even growth rate. So everything's growing at the same time. The muscles are growing, the ligaments are growing, the skeletal structure is growing. Um, so that's when you see a large breed food or a small breed food, um, that's what you're going to go with. If you have a lab or a mastiff or a greyhound or any of those large breed dogs, you're going to want to go with a, a large breed food. Okay. Small dogs, small breed food. They make different size nuggets. <laughs> it's all in the same same game plan. So that's what you look for when you first get this initial pup. Okay. After that first year, when you're getting into a maintenance diet, there are different maintenance diets. There's just like adult maintenance, and then there's what's called a performance diet, which you'll see sometimes. Performance is for um, high powered, high-test dogs, like a greyhound, you know, a dog that's going to burn calories faster than they can take them in. Uh, very few dogs, except for, um, you know, police canine dogs, service dogs, um, hunting dogs are going to eat a performance. Most are going to eat a maintenance, the food that they eat every day. And when you're looking within this maintenance, during usually the adult time is when you'll start to see all the different proteins that these dog foods come in. And people ask me, why is this potato and barley? Or this is, I know that's not a protein, but mm -hmm. you know, why, why does this have kangaroo in it? Which there is. There's dog food which uses kangaroo as a protein wow. <laughs> within the dog food. Uh, why, I don't want chicken byproducts. I want beef. I want this, that. Okay. The, here's the basic makeup of most dog foods in that case. You're going to have some proteins. You're going to have some carbohydrates in a dog food because... 
they're going to try to get a balance just like we try to get a balance in a day. A lot of folks have come and said, well, isn't a dog like a wolf? Aren't they just going to eat meat? And that's going to be that. Well, wolves don't just eat meat. They eat a lot of other things throughout their day. Um, they are they are carnivores, but they do do eat grains and greens and, and, and those type of things. So it's important to have that balance. What people don't realize is that when you look at, you know, when we pick out our food, we'll look at the nutritional analysis on the side and find out percentage of protein, percentage of carbs, this and that, all the way down. Well, in most dog foods, in, all, in human foods, you'll see a, um, a maximum, okay, where it says thir- protein 30% or carbohydrates 20%. And that's the most that can be in the food. Mm-hmm. With most dog foods, they put the, on the nutritional analysis label a minimum. All right, so what you'll see is minimum 20% protein, minimum 20% carbohydrate. That could mean that that food is 80% protein because it's not a maximum. <laughs> right. So, so it's, it's a little deceiving. I don't know that it's meant to be that way. That's just different guidelines that they have. But you'll see some of those foods where they are higher in grain than what's listed on the label, but they can also be higher in protein than they are listed on the label. And people want to go with high-protein foods with their dogs because they think it's a predator. The higher protein, the better. Well, just like with people, if we're eating nothing but protein all the time, it does wear on the internal system. And one thing is you're missing out on um, different vitamins, minerals, all the other stuff that, that comes along with with a, a good, balanced diet. So it's important to find a good, balanced diet in that case. Um, the deal with all the different proteins, why there's chicken, why there's beef, why there's kangaroo, is because over time uh, veterinarians have noticed different food allergies develop. And you can get into a whole argument back and forth about, um, you know, why food allergies develop. But the idea is that's why you see what they call novel proteins, which is there's so many different foods with different types of protein because a lot of times the food allergies are linked to a protein within the diet. So your dog might develop greasy skin, bad ears, um, hot spots, you know, things like that that are associated with an allergy can be directly related to the food. So that's why you'll see so many foods out there with so many proteins. And again, it's it's important to find the one that works best for your dog. Um, but just going grain-free is not the thing that's going to be the beat-all, end-all, I've found with allergies. You're still going to develop some allergies in certain cases like that. Okay. So the life stages, puppy, adult, senior. Senior is what it is. They, say they have same, pro- they have same uh, proteins, but they start adding more fiber, less protein. It makes it easier on a senior dog system to deal with. More fiber um, deals with the weight management, makes a dog feel fuller. Okay, a dog can't sit there and go, well, there's 25 calories in this bite here, so I'm only going to eat half of that. <laughs> Dogs go by what they feel. Um, if they're full, they're not going to eat sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are those dogs I've seen that just live to eat, and they'll eat until they kill themselves. But um, most dogs will fill up with that fiber. Fiber works the same way in a dog as it does with a human. Um, helps to keep the system flushed, and, and you'll see that that's, that's what you'll find higher usually in most weight management or senior diets as dogs get older. Okay. Um, but digestibility is the key. The easiest way to see, see the digestibility in the dog's food is how much, how much bowel movement they're having throughout the day. 
Um, so keep track of that as you're finding food. Um, keep your dog's weight under control. It's an easy way to judge. Everybody looks at the bag and they say, well, this bag says I need to feed a 40-pound dog this amount of food, four cups in a day. Well, remember, the dog food companies are wanting you to feed as much of that food as possible, as quickly as possible, so you can come back and buy more bags of dog food. So that's not always the best way to judge how much you should feed. You should feed according to what your dog's body looks like. And how we do that, it's very simple. You take your hands, um, you rub your hands down the ribs from the front to the back of your dog, and one, if you can feel the ribs, but not see them as you're standing and looking at your dog, your dog is just about the ideal weight for their body structure, okay? Um, if you are seeing ribs, even before you feel them, then your dog could probably stand to add a little bit more weight. You can adjust the diet accordingly. If you cannot feel ribs, if it looks like one big coffee table from the front shoulders to the back hips of your dog when you look down over the top, we're way too heavy and it's time to start thinking about a weight management diet because your dog will not think about a weight management diet without you. Okay. <laughs> so it's important to look at that and, and judge according to that, not according to the amount of food that you're, you're reading on the bag. There are dogs that need prescription diets, and that's usually uh, prescribed by your veterinarian. Um, certain diets, certain dogs' composition, chemistry, um, have the, um, poss uh, uh, the added possibility that they can develop kidney stones bladder stones, and that's usually directly related to the dog system um, adding in a certain type of diet, and um, that, that we, we deal with a lot, um, a lot of times in um, unneutered males, um, some females too, but that's usually taken care of when we, we use a prescriptive diet, which is, um, cuts down the ability for that dog system basically to build up those bladder stones and kidney stones. So it's always always hard when you go in that store and you look at that wall full of dog food to decide. So again, just like most of the other things we've talked about, the easiest place to start is to talk to the people with the most experience who see the most dogs in a day's time, and that's probably going to be your veterinarian mm -hmm. um, on that first initial visit. So give them, a, give them a call, talk to them, find out what might be the best diet. They'll give you a starting point. And you kind of go from there. That's fantastic. How do people reach out to you guys at the Edgefield Animal Care Center? You call us at 740-389-4661. Pretty soon you'll be able to stop out and see us, but yes. not just yet. Um, you can get all our information online at edgefieldanimalcare.com. We also, you can also find us on Facebook, Edgefield Animal Care Center. Very good stuff. Rob, we always appreciate your time in the Marion Public Library Community Podcast Studio to record another episode of the Dog Professor Podcast. You can see all or hear all of those episodes very easily by opening up the free iHeartRadio app and do a search for the Dog Professor Podcast, or you'll find a link at WMRN.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No 
purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.